I woke up on Wednesday thinking it was going to be a pretty typical day for me. And then my babysitter called and canceled, and I thought, whew, craziest part of my day over. <laughs> nope. Turns out everything we had planned for today's show got shoved to Friday. Why is that? Because three different Tar Heels decided to announce their plans for next season. Yeah, all of that happened on Wednesday. So, we're going to unpack them, and we're going to talk about what it means for Carolina's upcoming 2022-23 season. All of that on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels website. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hey, thanks for making it your first watch. While you're there on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, smash the like button so we know you are here. I want to remind you that Locked on Tar Heels is free and available anywhere you listen to podcasts, so you can download it and subscribe there. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, right off the bat, like I said, we got these three things to unpack. One of them is a good news, two of them is a bad news. Let's start with the good news, because that's happy. Armando Baycott is back. Surely you've heard the news by now, and so I'm not breaking anything to you, but this is incredible. And so here's my hot take right off the bat. Baycott's return is the single most important one for Carolina. Why? I believe he is the most indispensable player. Does that mean he is going to be the best or most productive player on the team game in and game out? Not necessarily, but similar to Kendall Marshall in 2012, he's the one you have to have. He's the one that's irreplaceable. He's the one that is most singularly necessary to Carolina's success in 2022-23. You take Kendall Marshall off that 2012 team, you saw what happened. They should have marched on to the national championship, but they didn't. And that's what Armando Baycott can bring. Part of that is because of his unique skill set. Part of that is because there's just not many people behind him. So don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. I think Caleb Love's return would be gargantuan for this team. But I think that on this particular roster, Love's skill set is more replaceable than Baycott's. Again, Carolina simply doesn't have someone waiting in the wings that can do what Baycott can do but there is more depth in the backcourt. And so again, I think Baycott is the most indispensable player on next season's roster. Boy, that sounds good to say. Armando Baycott is on next season's roster. Yes. Speaking of which, the backcourt depth, have I told you how stoked I am for junior year RJ Davis, assuming that he's back in the fold? Just keep running that Davis-Baycott pick and roll until Jesus comes back, until somebody can stop it. It's just going to get more deadly. It's just going to get more potent. Boy, oh boy, I want to see more of that. Now, you already know how impactful Armando Baycott can and will be for Carolina. You've seen it 
both in the Roy Williams regime and now under Hubert Davis. And it's almost, uh, it's, it's a similar type of impactful, but almost more so because he is the singular big man, typically in, in the middle of the lane, in the post, whatever. So you've seen it, you know it. So instead of talking about what he's going to do for Carolina, you know that, let me just tell you some of the numbers that he might achieve in his senior season. Some of the records he might hit, both for Carolina and the ACC, and just, just let some of that wash over you and sink in as you think about one more year of Armando Baycott. That NIL money, it's coming in good, by the way. All right, let's first look at the UNC career rebounding record. As you know, this past season, Baycott set the single-season rebounding record for Carolina, getting 511 rebounds. That's almost 100 more than the previous record set by Bryce Johnson, 416, in the 2015-16 season. I mean, it's just ridiculous. For, for the Carolina rebounding career record, Tyler Hansborough, as you probably know, holds that record at 1,219 rebounds. Courtesy of his 15 rebounds in the national championship game, Armando Baycott is also now over 1,000 rebounds, sitting at 1,001 in 10th place on the all-time list. When you look at that number, 1,219 down to 1,001, that means that he is just 218 rebounds away, this is Baycott, from tying Hansborough from first place, or 219 for taking sole possession of first place. You're wondering how doable is that for Baycott? Well, he just got 511 last season, so it's pretty doable. But but what is the floor for Baycott? Well, the fewest rebounds he's had in a season is 227, which he set in the COVID-shortened year of 2020-21 when Carolina played only 29 games. What does that mean? Barring injury or some other unforeseen circumstance, Armando Baycott is going to be the new single, or excuse me, the new career rebounding leader for North Carolina when it's all said and done next season. I mean, he might even get to that halfway through, so early in conference play or towards the end of non-conference play. When thinking about career rebounding records, let's go beyond UNC. What is the ACC rebounding record? Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, he ain't going to get first place, and, and you'll understand why in just a moment. Currently, Baycott sits at 20th all-time on the ACC career rebounding list. Second place is what's attainable for him. That's held currently by Duke's Sheldon Williams, who has 1,262 career rebounds. That's totally doable for Baycott. Again, 261 to tie, 262 to take sole possession of second place. That's very doable for Armando. However, first place, you ready for this one? This gap? Tim Duncan, who Baycott passed this year for first place on the single-season dub-dub list for the ACC. By the way, if you're new, I don't like saying double-double. Takes too long. We call them dub-dubs around here. Plus, it's hilarious. Okay, so uh, Baycott passed Tim Duncan this year on the dub-dub list, but he's not passing him on the career ACC rebounding list. Here's why. Tim Duncan, first place ACC all-time with 1,570 career rebounds. That's over 300 more than Sheldon Williams in second place. Uh, for Baycott to get there, he'd have to, to tie Tim Duncan, he'd have to have 569 rebounds this season. That's not happening. I'm just telling you. Okay, but Baycott could quite easily get to second place. Again, barring anything unforeseen. 
What about points? Baycott's also doing really well on the points list. He currently has 1,301 career points. As I said earlier in the week, on Tuesday, when we did our Tuesday trivia, there are six Tar Heels who have amassed 2,000 career points. Just six. None of them have done so since Tyler Hansborough finished his career in 2008-2009. Hansborough finished with 2,872 points. It's just absurd. And sits atop that list. So in order for Baycott to get into that 2,000 point club, he would need 699 uh, points this upcoming season. Now, his single season career high is 635, which he scored this last year. Given all of Carolina's offensive firepower, especially if Caleb Love is back, I don't necessarily see the Tar Heels needing to rely on Baycott that much for scoring. I, I believe there have only been, I looked and I forgot to write it down, but 13 ever seasons in which the Tar Heels scored 699 or more points, which is what Baycott would have to do. So I think that mark might be a little bit out of reach, but pay attention to it because it's only, um, I mean, it's less than 100 more points than Baycott had last year, about 64 more points. So it's definitely a doable thing. So I wouldn't say it's probable, but it's doable. All right, what about dub-dubs? Uh, Baycott has several dub-dub things he could achieve this year. As you know, as I said, he's already set single season records for UNC and the ACC and tied the NCAA record for double-doubles in a dub-dubs in a single season, David Robinson with 31. Now, that, it would take, you know, getting one in just about every game next season to do it, but Baycott is capable of that to set a single-season NCAA record. Something that Baycott is very in good shape to be able to set, he already has the single-season Carolina dub-dub record. He could set the career one. Right now, he has 49 in his career. That's third place behind Anton Jameson, who has 51 in second place, so he just needs three to go into second place. And then in first place is Billy Cunningham, who had 60 dub-dubs. So what that means is that Baycott just needs 12 of those next season to go into first place on the all-time Carolina career dub-dub list. That's doable. Also, in terms of streaks, number of games in a row with a dub-dub, Baycott is currently on a streak of eight. He had one in all eight of Carolina's um, postseason games. So that would be the two ACC tournament games plus the entire NCAA tournament run. And he had one of 10 games in a row earlier this season. That put him um, tied for third longest streak ever with Billy Cunningham. Just uh, behind the second leading streak is 11, Doug Moe, and so, which he did twice. So Baycott just needs three more games, the first three games of next season, to match that total or four in a row to get into second place himself. Now, similar to that ACC career rebounding record, he ain't touching the, the streaks record because Billy Cunningham had a streak of 40 games in a row with a dub-dub. That is absolutely insane, and Baycott won't. I mean, I, I'm saying he won't. Who knows? But that is seemingly well out of reach. Well, while Armando Baycott's return was some exciting meat in the middle of Wednesday's sandwich, 
the news earlier in the day and later in the day was of two Tar Heels leaving the program. So I'm going to call that the nasty rye bread on the bookends of the day because I hate rye bread. It's gross and I don't want it and I don't want these transfers either. What were those decisions? We're going to talk about them in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Athletic Greens. This is a product I know people who use literally every day. I look forward myself to trying Athletic Greens because I want better gut health. I'm struggling. Something's going on, you guys. I'm dying over here. I'm sorry. That's too much information. But maybe I need some Athletic Greens to hook me up. <laughs> and I'm looking for better gut health, more energy. And I hate trying to remember to take a whole bunch of pills every day. What is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop of it, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and others to help you start your day the right way. One of the things I love is that Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly regardless of your diet. Keto, paleo, vegan, whatever it is, it works with all of them. Tons of people use some kind of daily multivitamin, and it's important that when you do so, you choose one with high-quality ingredients like AG1 that your body will be able to actually absorb. The best news is, when you do this with Athletic Greens, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your coffee habit. Right now, it's time to go ahead and reclaim that health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or, or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so this sad rye bread on either side of the day. I, I woke up Wednesday morning. Like I said, my babysitter canceled. I thought that was the craziest thing. But then just a little bit later, learned that Dawson Garcia had officially entered the transfer portal. And then we got the Baycott news in about the middle of the day, about lunchtime. And then later in the afternoon, we also learned that Anthony Harris would also be entering the transfer portal. With these two guys, for me, it's opposite ends of the spectrum. I think ever since Garcia left to go be with his family, it's just kind of been the writing on the wall that he would ultimately and eventually decide to transfer. With Harris, though, it just, I think a lot of people assumed that he wouldn't, or is at least less likely to, to transfer. I know he had been out the majority of the season, but he stuck with the team. He was there in New Orleans for the final four. He's seemingly been doing everything to right whatever it is that's been holding him out, which we have speculation on, but don't publicly know um, that he would be back for next season. But he's not. And so let's let's unpack these to uh, young men and their decisions to transfer. So first off with Dawson Garcia, we, we have to remember the, the family issues going on with their health. And so just first thing out of the gate, thoughts and prayers to the Garcia family. I, I know that's, I say that personally, and I know I speak on behalf of the Carolina family. Um, and so Garcia family, as, as they go through, continue to deal with what's by all accounts been a harrowing time for them. It's something that no one should have to go through. And so Garcia family, please 
health and, and get well soon. We are with you. So for those who don't remember, I, I saw somebody in YouTube comments yesterday asking like, hey, I don't even really remember Garcia. So let me give you a quick reminder or primer. Garcia played in the first uh, 13 games of the season. He started 11 of the first 12, 12 of the first 13. But in that 13th game, playing at Boston College, Garcia took a knock to the head in the first minute or two of the game, left the game, and into concussion protocols. Following that Boston College game, he missed the next two and then came back for the next three, but Brady Manick had assumed his starting role, had assumed Gar Garcia's starting role, and continued to start in those three games. Garcia played um, not quite 20 minutes, but he was in the teens for all three of those games. And then after that, the next game after those three, Carolina was playing Virginia Tech, and the Tar Heels announced before the game that Garcia was going home to Minnesota to be with his family, who was experiencing all sorts of health issues. Um, and, and so obviously and understandably, he wanted to go be with his family. So um, ag again, there, there's kind of your primer on where things went, and that was, that was in uh, January when that happened. And then on Thursday, February 10th, it was officially announced that Garcia would not be back with the team for the remainder of the season. And um, so at that point, the rest of the team, their mindset kind of changes because they know, okay, so this is our squad. We know what we've got. And, and as I alluded to at the beginning of this segment, I, I think we all kind of just felt and knew, let me know in, in the comments if, if you're with me on that, that it felt like an official announcement of him entering the transfer portal has just always seemingly been right there, just biding its time below the surface until it was the appropriate time, and that time was Wednesday morning. Now, to be fair, I should say that there are reports very legitimate reports and rumors of things beyond just the family issues that might have played into Garcia going home and choosing not to join the team again. However, it seems to me that at this point, it's just not worth trying to relitigate those things or talk about them or get into them because it's pointless. Garcia's, Garcia's not part of the team anymore. Um, just... Let's part ways, let's move along, let's forget it, let's move on in health and unity as a program and as a squad, because that's best at the end of the day for all parties involved. The, the thing is, is that you wish, ultimately we wish Garcia the best wherever he lands and whatever team he plays for. A question I've gotten a lot about Dawson Garcia, though, is his eligibility for next season. Why? Well, you're aware, probably, of the new one-time transfer rule where you can transfer without penalty. You don't have to sit out a year. That's why he was able to play immediately for the Tar Heels. However, he used that this year, and so the question is, will he be able to play this upcoming season wherever he transfers? Well, one thing you should be aware of is that in this kind of COVID era, the NCAA has been handing out hardships left and right. And so if Garcia chooses to play somewhere close to home, I would imagine that the NCAA will grant that waiver and allow him to play next season. However, if he chooses to play not somewhere close to home, it brings into question uh, the, the family issues and does he really need a waiver or hardship? or hardship, and I think in that scenario, he probably wouldn't be awarded one. So, let's move on then to Anthony Harris. And uh, just hold my hand up, cold takes exposed. If I'm gonna toot my own horn when I get something right, I gotta toot that same horn when I get it terribly wrong. I just missed the boat on, on Anthony Harris. I've been saying all along, like, 
he, he's doing the right things, he's with the team, he seems to still be engaged. If he was going to transfer or leave, he wouldn't be all engaged in doing these things. And so for those reasons, I thought he was going to be back. I thought, you know, this is a guy who is is while, you know, not recruited while Hubert Davis was head coach, he's a Hubert Davis guy, can play in that style, could pair with Leaky Black to be enormously annoying to other teams on defense with what he does. Um, but he's out and didn't didn't see this one coming. I mean, obviously I, I've thought about it, but then I said, no, I, he's coming back. We're going to have Anthony Harris. And so really hated to see that. Um, but here's what it makes me think. If Harris is choosing to transfer, which he is, that probably means he's hearing things on the inside about a log jam ahead of him where maybe there's not going to be as much playing time available as he thought. You heard Candace Cooper report on the show earlier in the week that from her inside sources, she's hearing that Caleb Love is leaning towards coming back. Now, she put that at 90 to 95%, where as the days continue to unfold, he's he himself, Love, has spoken a little more about that. And so we get a little more of a, a, a sure idea of where he's at and what he's thinking. It seems like RJ Davis is going to be back. Freshman Seth Trimble coming in is seeming like he's going to be a major impactful player. There's also the potential of Gigi Jackson reclassifying to the class of 22, committing to Carolina and being part of the team next season. Would that lower um, Harris down the chart at all? What if transfers end up coming in? Might, might it be somebody that would supplant uh, his playing time there as well? So all these are potential factors that lead to him transferring. And uh, maybe it was, it may, sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Whatever it was that held him out of the rest of this season, maybe it was just time. And uh, I, I would imagine we'll learn more about it at some point. We might not. But um, similar to Garcia, obviously, Anthony Harris, brother, we wish you the best wherever you go and whatever you do. Well, uh, some great news as we get ready to transition into the third segment is that Thursday, April 28th, the first day of the NFL Draft, you can tune in to Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders here on Locked On. And for those of you dying to know who your team is going to take, catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special, hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, all week leading up to that first pick on Thursday night. Well, that's coming up soon, and let's get back to Carolina basketball content here. As, as we think about these three moving parts, uh, Baycott staying, Garcia leaving, Harris leaving, and, and likely more yet to come. There's obviously more news that we're waiting on. How does Carolina's roster shape up for next season? I'll share the updated scholarship math with us all in just a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the MLB season, which just recently started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game 
starts. Okay, so this updated scholarship math, now that we've got a couple pieces of the puzzle starting to take shape in terms of who will be in, who will be out, all of that kind of thing, uh, the, the bigger picture is starting to come into more relief. Now, let me remind you just a couple things about scholarships. College basketball D1 programs are allowed 13 scholarships per season. These scholarships are one-year commitments. A coach has not necessarily committed to a player for their four years of college or however long it is. This scholarship math that I'm about to unpack is based on Baycott's return, Garcia being gone, and Harris being gone. And so all of that adds up to mean that there are currently 12 utilized scholarships for the Tar Heels. Now, let me unpack specifically what I'm talking about so you can catch the full picture. Those 12 scholarships, I'm not including Leaky Black in those because technically he's a senior and technically he would be graduating, but we're gonna get a little bit more into that in just a second. So the upcoming seniors, Armando Baycott, Justin McCoy, that's two. The juniors would be Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Puff Johnson, Kerwin Walton, four of those for six so far. Sophomores, Dontrez Style and DeMarco Dunn, that's two more for eight. And then the four incoming freshmen make 12. That's Seth Trimble, Jalen Washington, Will Shaver, who's already with the team, has been this uh, spring semester. And finally, Tyler Nickel, the dynamic scorer. So that's 12 uh, student athletes who, assuming none of the rest of them transfer and assuming none of them leave for the NFL draft or NBA draft, I just talked about the NFL draft, so now that's in my brain. Um, and, and I'm not saying none of that's going to happen. I'm not saying nobody else is going to transfer. I'm not saying anybody else is not going to leave for the draft. It's just talking about what we know at this point, because that's all we can go on, is those 12 young men. Now, Let's do add in Leaky Black to that because right now it sounds like all signs are pointing to him coming back for that fifth year, that COVID eligibility. Now, you might be asking yourself, hey, I thought the past couple of years, those, those COVID uh, scholarships that people were taking advantage of didn't count against the scholarship quota. And that's true. But if you checked out yesterday's show, you heard this, and I'll say it again right now, is that coaches have learned from the NCAA that starting this season, those uh, COVID um, years of eligibility that are being taken advantage of now will count against a team's 13 scholarships. And so if Leaky Black chooses to stay, that is one of Carolina's 13. So um, what, what does that mean if we just, just break it down? End of the day, here's where we're at. We already know Baycott's back, but if Leakey decides to come back, if Caleb decides to come back, and if RJ decides to come back, those are the three that there's been speculation about would they maybe graduate or move on or whatever it is. If they come back and no one else transfers and no one else declares for the draft or does other things, the roster's set. You've got your 13 scholarships awarded. We just laid out those 13 players. However, if, if those three come back, those same three, Black, Love, Davis, any additional transfers or people leaving for other reasons opens up, each one opens up one scholarship for Hubert Davis and company to bring in a transfer. Um, who might they be looking for in the transfer portal? Well, you saw what a huge role Brady Manick played on this year's team. I think a, a, a very natural and obvious role they would be looking to fill is that stretch four role. Puff Johnson might be that person. He has not yet proven his 
um, dynamic capability to consistently hit from three as his brother did or as Brady Manick did last year. There are flashes of it and that is the player he is, but he just hasn't quite yet shown it consistently. That's due, I think, partly to a lack of playing time, partly to injuries he's dealt with. And so maybe he could get there, but I think Carolina will certainly go looking for that. Uh, another player I've heard rumors about is Texas Tech's Terrence Shannon, who has entered the transfer portal. Uh, you might have seen yesterday on Wednesday. He interacted with some of Armando Baycott's social media stuff as Baycott was announcing his return. That doesn't always mean something, but it doesn't mean nothing. You, you know how much social media means to these young men as they uh, interact with one another. If, if you're of college age or high school age and you're watching this, you know what I'm talking about. Like It means so much in your interactions. And so that's something to be aware on, aware of. But I think the bottom line is, is this. We're clearly not done with roster moves yet. There, there are certain people we're waiting on to hear from their decisions in terms of specifically Caleb Love. What's he going to do? Is he going to declare for the draft? Uh, while knowing that he's going to come back, but just wanting to get some info or input, will he declare for the draft and go all in to see if if maybe he can get a first round guarantee, in which case he might be out? Or will Caleb Love do what Armando Baycott did this year and just, without even declaring, just say, yeah, I'm back. We're waiting to hear from that. Leaky Black. Ultimately, if he's going to come back, he's just going to come out and say he's coming back. Why? Because it's one more run. It's this COVID year. I just think that is how that will play out with Leakey. Um, with R.J. Davis, there hasn't really been any indication um, one way or another. My guess is that he would do similar also to what Armando Baycott did and um, just declare that he's coming back. At the same time, he's going to be a junior. You have two opportunities to test the NBA draft waters. Why not test it going into your junior year? Because you can do it again going into your senior year. And so don't be freaked out if any of these guys mention that they're going to declare for the draft. It doesn't mean they're gone. It just means they're taking advantage of the opportunities the NBA has provided them to learn how they can make it there. And so, um, and then we're also waiting to learn if there are any more people that might transfer. Um, not going to speculate on that today because we've done that kind of all week long and, and you can go back and hear those things. But all of that to say, I, I, we're obviously not done with roster moves yet. So just keep your eyes and ears peeled to social media. Um, check out everything that I'm putting out. Check out things straight from Carolina basketball. That's obviously the most... Um, sure-footed form, the sure-footed source that you can get is straight from the horse's mouth. Um, and so that is a good thing. Well, friends, that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please, if you would, go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you're watching, please subscribe to YouTube right now. Hit that like button, do all the things, comment. If you're listening, go and review the show. Five stars, let us know why you love Locked on Tar Heels. Maybe let us know your favorite segment, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. And uh, that would be great. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm pointing to my name right now because it's spelled super weird. If you're listening, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Yep, Shade has a C in it. It's super weird. Coming up on tomorrow's show, it's everything that was supposed to be on today's show. So we're going to talk about Leaky Black. It's Leaky Black Day. I've got a fun ode to Leaky Black. So many of you on Twitter have been helping out with that. Thank you. 
and a discussion that I recorded actually on Wednesday with Locked On's brand new college football recruiting insider, straight from Sports Illustrated, John Garcia Jr. Uh, we talked about Carolina's spring game and recruits there. It was a great conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Thanks so much for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And now let me encourage you to make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen today. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. And thank you so much for spending part of your Thursday talking Carolina sports with me. It's a fun time of year. It's a crazy time of year. I know we just finished the basketball season, but now there's all this crazy communication and, and rush of information waiting to hear what people are going to do, who's going to commit, who's going to transfer, all this kind of stuff. And so I'm always going to be here for you. If it's on the weekend and there's not a show till Monday, I'll drop a quick Locked On Now or, or a short video here on YouTube to help you process all of that. But as for today, I just want you to remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.